Well, I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about words. You know, words are, are what we use, of course, to communicate with us, with each other. And it's what really sets us above the animal kingdom. Um, in the animal kingdom, uh, they, they can communicate, but not like we do, not with the expression of thought and, and words and, and expressions and so forth. Now, some animals can be taught to mimic some of the things that uh, we say. In fact, my, my brother-in-law had a, and sister-in-law had a parakeet that could sing the theme song from the Andy Griffin show. Um, but that was a, a learned mimicking process. They don't intellectually think and relate as we do, but God has given us words and thank the Lord for it. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning on the thought of someone is listening. Someone's listening. Did you ever had, have your mother to do to you what she used to do to me when I was a little boy? Sometimes she'd be telling me something and, and she would notice that she didn't have my full attention. And she'd grab me and she said, listen to me. Are you listening? <laughs> and of course, she wanted undivided attention. Well, I want to tell you this morning, somebody is listening. Somebody is listening. I want to take you from my text to the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Look at this little phrase. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Wow. You know what the prophet Malachi is saying? When we talk about the Lord to each other and we say good things about the Lord, our Heavenly Father takes note of it. And all of that is put in a book of remembrance. God says, I remember every good thing you ever say about me. And uh, I, I'm so thrilled with that. He said that when I make up my jewels, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a part of that. Anybody want to be in that group when the Lord makes up his jewels? Amen. So, so let, me, let me tell you, someone is listening. And I, I want to, in this message this morning, I want to ask three questions and, and attempt to answer them. I want to ask the question, first of all, um, why does God listen? And secondly, when does God listen? And then thirdly, what does God hear when he listens? Now, the first two has nothing to do with us. That's entirely God. But the third question, what he hears, has everything to do with us, and it's entirely up to us. So let's jump right into it, shall we? First of all, what, why does God listen? Well, first of all, God is omniscient. God knows everything, and God can hear everything. And so he is listening because he is an all-knowing God, and, and he is aware of everything. Now, that may be hard for our finite minds to grasp, and yet, at the same time, I have to tell you this morning, there's a lot of things about communication that I don't understand. I don't understand how I can take out my cell phone and dial somebody's number, and it shoots a signal off to a satellite up yonder somewhere and gets back down to where they are uh, almost instantly, and I can communicate with them. And, 
and, and my signal doesn't bump into yours and get thrown off. And I, I don't know how all of that works and operates, but I'm not going to quit using my phone just because I don't understand it all. Amen? And uh, all, all of that works out. And I can promise you this, that God being who he is, supreme, eternal, omnipotent, almighty, and powerful, all-wise God, God hears everything we say. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a story. In fact, I want to take you to the oldest book in the Bible. By the way, the oldest book in the Bible is not the first book in your Bible. The reason Genesis is the first book is because Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, and starts telling us about the beginning. And so they put Genesis in the front of your Bible because it starts with the beginning. But long before Moses was alive, there was a man called Job who was alive. And uh, his book is in the Bible right before you get to Psalms. And it uh, bears his name, Job. Those of you that are familiar with the story of Job, you know that Job was a righteous man, a very godly man. And um, he was so godly, in fact, that Satan got frustrated because he couldn't get to him. And so he accused him before God. He told him, he said, he said to God, he said, the only reason Job serves you is because you got this hedge around him. And I can't get to him. If you'd take that hedge down and let me to him, it wouldn't be long before old Job would just curse you to your face. God knew the heart of Job. He knew the purity of Job. He knew the sincerity of Job. And so he said, okay, I'll take the hedge down. And, uh, but I'm not going to let you take his life. Do, do everything else. And so the trial of Job began. Now, when you read the book of Job, it's such a long book, and, and it seems like it's going on for years, but it wasn't. It was about a nine-month trial that Job went through. But I'm here to tell you it was a tough trial, a, a tough trial. Job actually was a very wealthy man, had a big family, 10 kids, uh, houses, lands, uh, herds, and flocks. And, and in fact, he was the wealthiest guy in that part of the world. And Satan started attacking and he took everything he had, burned his houses down, burned his children's houses down, destroyed his flocks, destroyed his herds, destroyed his land, and finally even took all 10 kids. Can you imagine losing 10 children and in one day? So Job went through severe bereavement and grieving process, and, and, and he had the loss of everything, all of his wealth and everything. And finally, he lost his health. Satan attacked his body, and, and old Job wound up sitting out on an ash heap, scraping the sores of his body with, with a uh, potsherd. Um, and his wife said to him, you know, serving God just isn't doing it for you. If I were you, I'd just curse God and die. I'd get out of all this pain and misery. But Job never allowed himself in all of that discouragement and in all of that trial to give in to Satan. He stood firm. He said, I don't understand what I'm going through, but he said, I can tell you one thing. If God were to slay me, I'd still trust him. He said, there's some things I don't know, but he said, there's one thing I do know. After the skin worms have destroyed this body, yet in my flesh, I'm going to see God, whom I shall see for myself and that not another, though my reins be consumed within me. So Job was faithful all the way through. 
But in the latter part of the book of Job, way on over in chapter 38, there's a conversation that goes on. Uh, by the way, if you remember in Job, not only did he have this terrible trial, but he had four friends that came to visit him. At least the Bible calls them friends. I don't think I'd call them friends. Because the first thing they did when, when they got there and he was sitting on that ash heap having lost everything, they just sat there and stared at him. You ever had anybody stare at you? They stared at him for seven days. Didn't say a word, just sat there and stared at him. Look at you. Just stared at him. And finally, when they did start talking, he probably wished they just kept staring. Because when they started talking, they started accusing him before God. They, they said, yeah, you may think you're a righteous man, but they got to be something wrong with you. You know, a man don't suffer like you're suffering unless there's sin in his life somewhere. And they started taking him apart. I mean, one right after the other, after the other, after the other. And after he'd gone through all of this, then in chapter 38, God comes down and has a conversation with Job. And I want to let you in on a little bit of that conversation. Beginning of verse 4, where were you? This is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb when I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors when I said, this far you may come but no further. And here your proud ways must stop. You see what God is saying? God's saying to Job, hey, listen, Job, listen, listen to me. Forget, forget what all these other guys are saying. Just listen to me. By the way, that'd be good advice for all of us this morning. Let me tell you, all of us should be more concerned with what God has to say than what anybody else has to say. Amen? Because God's getting the final word. He's got the final word. And, and, and God said, let, let me tell you something, Job. I, I've, been, I've been in on this conversation. I've been listening to what these other four guys have been saying. I, I've, been here, I've been here all the time. And I just want you to know that I'm God. I hung the stars on nothing. I created everything that you see out there. I'm God. I'm the one that drew a line in the sand and told the ocean, you can come this far, but that's where you got to stop. You got to back off. He said, I, I, I did all this. I am God. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm with you, Job, and, and God was there. Aren't you glad that God is listening? He's listening. Amen. Give him praise. He's worthy. Se second reason why God listens, he listens because he cares. God cares for you. Did you know that? God really does. Regardless of what that the enemy may have said to you in your spirit in the midst of your trial and persecution or whatever you may have gone through in life, your difficult times. And all of us have been through some difficult times. If you haven't, you just haven't lived long enough. If you live long enough, you're going to go through some stuff. Can everybody agree with that? It, it just, it, life's just like that. You're going to go through some tough times if you live long enough. But God cares about you. And I'm not talking about just collectively. God does care about all of us collectively. But God cares about every one of you individually. 
God really does care about you. If you don't believe it, read John 3.16 again. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son so that he could bring you into the family of God. My goodness alive, folks, God cares about us. Look what the psalmist David said in, in chapter 139, verses 13 and 14. For you form my inward parts. This is David talking about God. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Wow. David said, God, you, you, when you think about me, you, your thoughts are, you think about me all the time. Your thoughts are good towards me. You love me. Praise God. Somebody said, if God's got a wallet, your picture's in it. Or if he's got a refrigerator, your picture's on it. He cares about you. God loves you. Make sure your neighbor gets that. Tell him God cares about you. He really does. He cares about you. Look what the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Glory to God. Wow. Uh, don't, don't, don't you wish we'd all really get that message and just do it. Take all of our cares this morning and just cast them over on the Lord. Do you realize how free you would feel if you would actually do that today? Do you realize some of you feel like 500 pounds had gotten off your shoulders if you'd just take all the stuff that you're concerned about this morning, all of your cares, all of your burdens, all of your fears, all of your anxiety, and all, all of that stuff, and just cast it over on God. You say, preacher, why in the world would I do that? Because he cares for you. And he's, he's more able to handle it than you are to start with. So you're not going to overburden him. Just cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Well, let me move to my second question. When does God listen? Well, I'm not going to deal with all of them, but I'm going to give you a couple that I think are very interesting. Three to be exact. First of all, the Lord is listening when your enemies come against you. Aren't you glad that God is listening when they're talking about you? Yes, he is. He's listening when your enemies are talking about you. Um, you, you ever have your ears to burn, just get kind of hot? I, I don't know what causes that. I guess blood, extra blood flow or something. Or, uh, I know we used to as kids, especially on a cold morning, we'd slip up behind somebody and thump them real hard on the ear. That'd make it burn for a while. <laughs> but, but, but an old saying, and my mom always said, when, when your ears are burning, somebody's talking about you. My ears are burning the other day, just both of them, just for hours. They're just red hot. And uh, I said, oh, somebody's talking about me. But uh, let me tell you what I started doing a long time ago. When I think somebody's talking about me, I just say, well, praise the Lord. Somebody else is getting a rest. <laughs> yeah. So you're being a blessing. If somebody's talking about you, you're just being a blessing because you're giving somebody else a rest. If they'll talk about you, they'll talk about somebody else. 
So they're just giving somebody else a break while they talk about you. So just say, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad I can be a blessing. Just, just let them talk about you. Don't worry about what people say. My goodness alive, what, what can they do to you anyway? Jesus said, you, you don't need to fear man. What can man do to you? What we ought to fear is God. That's why I said a while ago, we ought to be more concerned about what he thinks than what anybody else thinks. Amen? Well, God is listening when people are talking about you. Let me give you a great example from the Old Testament. Hezekiah was the king of Judah, and, uh, and Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. And at that time, the Assyrian army was the most powerful army in the world. And for Assyria to come against Judah would be like the United States of America coming against uh, Haiti with all of its force. I mean, the, 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 the comparison was nothing. I mean, Judah was like just this little, this little place, little, and, and they, didn't, they didn't have much strength at that time at all. And here's this, the mightiest army in the whole world at the time, and they had surrounded Judah and they, they were talking about Judah. In fact, Sennacherib sent some guys down to just <clears throat> spread rumors and laugh at, at Judah and laugh at King Hezekiah and talk about him. And they'd do it openly. They'd ride in with the, you know, their army band and find a crowd and they'd just start lashing out and tell them, this is what Sennacherib's going to do to Hezekiah. You guys can keep following Hezekiah if you want to, but you're going to be in trouble because Sennacherib is just going to swallow you guys up. They would say all kind of things. And finally, old Sennacherib even wrote him a letter trying to strike terror to his heart, just telling him all the things he was going to do to him. He, he was an enemy, brother. And he'd done this to a lot of other countries. So, I mean, he, would, he wasn't just talking. He was planning on doing it. But I want you to look at what Sennacherib did. I, I love this. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14 to 16, and verse 20. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, your God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made the heavens and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Then Isaiah, remember Isaiah is a great prophet of God, son of Amoz. He, uh, he was sent to Hezekiah. He sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Israel, of Assyria, I have heard. God said, I'm listening. I'm listening. I, I, like, what, I like what he did. First thing he did when he got all this, these threats, he just took them to the house of the Lord and just laid the letter out there before the Lord. And he said, God, here's what they're saying. Here's what they're saying. And he said, you know, God, they're not just saying this about me. They're saying this about you. Because we're serving you. You're, you're God. You're, you're the almighty God. So when they attack us, our, our trust is in you. And he just laid it out there before the Lord. And God said, I know, I know, Hezekiah. I'm listening. I heard. And I heard you pray. How many of you are glad that God's listening when you pray? He heard his prayer. Sometimes we think that our prayers are not being heard, but they are. God hears your prayer. Amen. God heard him. And so, 
And so God took care of the situation big time. If you don't believe it, I don't have time to get into all of it. Go home, read the rest of the story this morning, and you'll find out that Sennacherib did not last long when he came against God because God took care of the enemy. God can take care of your enemies. God can take care of your enemies. Don't fuss with them. Don't fight with them. Just just put it out before the Lord. God's, God knows the whole situation anyway, and he's able to take care of you. How many of you are glad God's able to take care of your enemies? Praise God. God can take care of your enemies. Hallelujah. Let me tell you another time when God is listening, and that's when you're alone and desperate. In the Old Testament, the book of Genesis chapter 21, there's an illustration of this. There's a woman by the name of Hagar. And uh, she had to leave. And uh, she was headed out across the desert to start a new life with her son. And uh, she's run out of water on that hot desert. And she's alone. And all she can see is death staring her in the face and her son. Look what she says. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him about the distance of a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, and I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. Wow. Alone in a desert, dying without any physical hope that you could see. And she's crying, but God is listening. Let me tell you something this morning, church. God hears you in your loneliest hour. God hears what nobody else in the world hears. God hears you when you cry out to him in your desperation. God hears you when you're at the end of your rope. God hears you when you've come to the end of yourself. God hears you when you're crying. You don't know which way to go. God hears you when, when you're at the lowest place in your life. God is still listening. He's listening. He doesn't forsake you during those times. He's listening. Amen. And God said, I heard you. Praise God. I heard you. I want to tell you something this morning. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever kind of struggle you may have right now, just remember this. God is listening. And God has not forsaken you, and God will not forsaken you. You may think that you have come to the very end of your way, and there is no way out from where you are. If God has to, God will dig a well in the desert until he taps water. I don't know how deep he had to dig that well in a desert to find water, but there was a well in the desert and the water was there to save Hagar because God heard her in her desperation. And I'm here to declare to you this morning that God is listening to you and he will hear you in your desperation and he'll come and minister to you. 
And if he has to, he'll dig you a well in your desert. Praise God. He's, he's God. Wow. Glory to God. Let me give you one other example, from one from the New Testament. Mark chapter 10, there was a blind man, and he was begging. He, he was dressed in the garments of a beggar. He may not have had to change of clothes in days, maybe weeks. I don't know. I don't know how long it had been since he had a bath. I know one thing. He was in such desperate shape that when he cried out to Jesus, everybody tried to shut him up because they didn't want him bringing attention to himself. Leave Jesus alone. He's ministering to the, to the upper crust here. But Jesus heard him. Jesus heard him, and Jesus called for him. And he brought that destitute, blind beggar to him and restored his sight, gave him a miracle, and sent him on his way. Glory to God. Don't you give up. God's got a miracle for you. God's got a miracle for you. Well, um, let, let, let me say this about these first two, when, that uh, question I'm trying to ask. When, why does God hear, listen, why is God listening, and, and, um, and when is God listening? Both of those has nothing to do with you. you. That has everything to do with God. But I want to close with this third point, and, and this is some form of question as well. What does God hear when he listens? Now, folks, this has everything to do with you and me. This has everything to do with us. In fact, we're the ones that determine what God hears when God listens to us. Um, first of all, what language do you speak when God's listening to you? Are you speaking the language of the kingdom of light? Or are you speaking the king language of the kingdom of darkness? What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, let, let's look at the obvious. First of all, the language of, of the kingdom of darkness. Um, those are things that people say like, when they blurt out obscenities or vulgarities or blasphemous words or uh, damnation. You know, I, I never have figured out. What, you, you, you ever listen to people, sometimes they'll just speak damnation on everything. You know, the car messes up and they'll damn their car. I don't want you damning my car. Amen. I want to bless my car. I want it to run a long time. Amen. Quit. Some people just curse everything, you know. It's, uh, kick the tire and curse the car. And, and uh, they'll curse everything. Curse their house if some, you know, something goes wrong. Curse the water heater. Just cur they, they just damning stuff all the time. <laughs> With that, well, that's, that's the language of the kingdom of darkness. That, that's not the way we're supposed to talk if we're in the kingdom of God. Amen? We're, we're, supposed, to get a, we're supposed to get beyond that. And that takes a little sanctifying process sometimes, depending on where you came from when you got saved. I, I, I'm amazed at how our culture is moving so far. The, the other night, Faye and I were in Walmart, and, um, and three young teenage girls came around the corner into the aisle that we were in, and you never heard such cussing in all your life. Good time of living. I, I thought... It sounded like we were in a bar with a bunch of drunk sailors. I mean, it, three little old young teenage girls. And, and I, I thought to myself, where are they coming from? Um, do, do they not have a daddy to 
teach them how to be a young lady, a mama to help them. And, and, and Faye and I were talking about it later, and she said, well, you know, nowadays they may, just, they may have learned it at home from mom and daddy. You know, there's, there's, there's just our culture seems to have accepted so many things that people just, you know, use all that kind of obscenity and, and um, filthy language and stuff like that. But praise God, if you've been born again, folks, just you, 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 your language needs to start expressing the kingdom of light. When you start talking of the kingdom of light, you're talking, you're talking good things. You're talking godly things. You're talking things that are pure and lovable and, 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 and uh, things that are of a good report, a good nature. That's the way we're supposed to be talking. But let's look at the not so obvious. There are many of you sitting here this morning, you wouldn't think about throwing out the kind of language that those three young teenage girls were throwing out the other night. You, you wouldn't talk like that. Not, not a, you wouldn't dare to talk like that. Um, first of all, you're smarter than that. You know, you don't have to be very smart to cuss. A good time of living. You know, you, you, you just, if, if you're smarter, you ought to find better words to express yourself. But, you would, but at the same time, you may use the kingdom talk the language of the kingdom of darkness and not even be aware of what you're saying. I want to give you an example from the New Testament. It's in Matthew chapter eight, uh, 16, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. Before I read this, let, let, me, let me set this up because let me tell you what happened just a few um, hours before this particular incident. Jesus is with his 12 disciples. And as he's teaching them, he asked them a question. He said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples started trying to answer the question. One of them said, well, you know, some people think you're Elias uh, or one of the prophets. Some think you're Jeremiah. Some think you're, some think you're John the Baptist, been raised from the dead. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you're a blessed man. You didn't get that uh, by, by just accident, or you didn't even get that by study. That's a revelation that you have gotten from God. So he had a revelation from God. He knew who Jesus was. All right, now let's fast forward. Later on that day, Jesus starts talking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be mocked and spat upon and eventually be crucified. And, and look what Simon Peter does. Verses 22 and 23. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, I got to stop right there, folks, because I, I guess I got a warped sense of humor. But I find some things funny in the Bible that, that, that maybe I shouldn't find funny. But... This is just funny. This is almost hilarious to me. Here's a man. Here's a man who has a divine revelation of, of who Jesus is. So he knows that Jesus is the son of God. And he rebukes him. Now, you know, I could understand if Simon Peter wanted to rebuke Andrew. That was his brother. You know, siblings can fuss. They do. I could understand if he wanted to have it out with Judas or, or Philip or Bartholomew or 
any of the other, but rebuke Jesus? I mean, what kind of gall does it take to rebuke the Son of God? My goodness alive. But Simon Peter does it. He, he rebukes Jesus. It's a wonder he lived. Let me get back there. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. He is, <laughs> folks, here's Jesus, the Word of God. And he's made, he's made a statement about what's going to happen to him. Simon Peter, th this is what the language of, the, of darkness sounds like. He defies the Word of God. He disagrees with the Word of God. He says, Jesus, I don't care what you're saying. It ain't going to happen to you. What he just said it was. Amen. This is the same Jesus that's speaking the Word, multiplying loaves and fishes, walks across the water, casts out devils, raises the dead. And Simon Peter said, I don't care what you say. It ain't going to happen to you. Well, you think he, he gave a strong word to Jesus. Jesus comes back with a, with a even stronger word to him. Here's what Jesus did. He turned around and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me because you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus nailed him, didn't he? You talking like the devil. Well, I, I don't want to sound too hard on everybody this morning. Remember, when I point out here, I got three that's pointing back here. So I'm, I'm not trying to, and I've told you before, God gets me, I get you. I mean, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is what the language of the kingdom of darkness is like. It's when you and me, when, when you or me, defy the very word of God. In other words, the word of God says one thing and we say something else. That's as bad as cussing. Just as bad as cussing. In fact, Jesus didn't call Simon Peter a devil when he did cuss. But he called him a devil when he, when he defied the word of God. So, folks, this is serious stuff here. So, let, let me just say this to you this morning. Don't walk around talking about how unworthy you are when the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. When you walk around talking about, I'm just, I'm just a poor, I'm, I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so, you're defying what the word of God, not if you've been born again, not if you've been, I'm not trying to get you to be cocky and arrogant. No, not, a, not, not in the least. But what I'm saying is it's wrong for you or I to disagree with the Word of God and speak words contrary to it. It's, it's, it that's, you're defying the Word of God. Let, let me give you another one. Let, don't go talk about how poor you are 
when 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Glory to God. Stop talking about how poor you are. Poor old me. I'm just poor. Just don't lack. I lack this. And I lack that. I lack somebody. No, 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 no. The Word of God says that you're rich. It says Jesus became poor so that you could be rich. When you declare that you're poor, you're disagreeing with the Word of God. The Word says you're rich. I won't agree with the Word. I say I'm rich all the time. I'm glad mom and daddy named me that. So I could just agree with the word of God. Amen. I'm not going to let the devil get me down there talking. That. You talk that stuff long enough, you'll be right there. Amen. Praise God. Jesus. Listen, I'm not talking about being, you know, just having so much money you don't know what to do with it. There's, there's more to being rich than just having money. I read that, uh, that Onassis, before he died, and he was, a, he was one of, at that time one of the wealthiest men in the world, offered everything he had to any doctor that could cure his disease. You know, there's, if you got good health this morning, you're blessed, you're rich. Amen. Amen. You got up this morning, had a good breakfast. You're rich. Amen. You got good clothes on your back. You're rich. You're blessed. But being rich means I've got enough for what I need. Glory to God. And the Bible says that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My elder brother is at the right hand of the throne of God. God's my father. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills that the cattle are on, the gold that's in the hills under the cattle on the hills. And so I'm rich in him this morning. Praise God. I have what I need. Don't talk about how sick you are. When Isaiah 53 and 5 said, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Glory to God. Don't say you're sick when 1 Peter 2, 24 says, he who himself bore our sins on the, in, in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We were healed 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you something this morning. You're not the sick trying to get well. You're the well and the devil's trying to make you sick. But declare what the Word of God says. Glory to God. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my health. Let the weak say I'm strong. That's what Joel said in his prophecy. Let the weak say what? Let the poor say what? Praise God. Let the sick say what? I'm healed. Glory to God. Let's start talking the kingdom of the righteous and the word of God and declaring what thus saith the word of God. Glory. Now, why is this so important? Because somebody's listening. Somebody's listening. God is listening to you this morning, folks. God is listening to you this morning. By the way, Remember my text from Malachi? There's another time 
when, when God is so excited about what you say, and that's when you're talking good things about him. He's keeping a record of all of that. Praise the Lord. Every time you witness, there's a record of that. God says it's in the book of remembrance, and I'm going to see that you're blessed for that. Every time you say good things about him. Now, I want to close with this. This, this is a conclusion. I'm going to bring the message to a close right now. The reason this is so important, the reason I'm talking to you about these words today and encouraging you to let your speech line up the word, with the Word of God is because God is listening. And this is so important. How many of you remember a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Daniel? You remember Daniel? Same one that was in a lion's den. Remember him? Everybody got that? You remember Daniel? Everybody remember Daniel? Surely we don't have to go back and teach Daniel. Everybody remembers Daniel. Amen. Okay. Here's what, Daniel was a great, great, great prophet of God. Great man of God. In fact, God gave him prophecies that correspond with what he gave in the book of Revelation. You study the two books together because they're prophetic end times. And part of that Daniel got when he was seeking the Lord. He, he got concerned about some things. So he went on an extended fast. He fasted for 21 days. And here's what happened at the end of that fast. Daniel 10 and verse 12. Then said he to me, this is an angel that came to Daniel. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, Thy words were heard. But look at this last phrase. And I am come for thy words. Wow. Look at this. God, first of all, he told, he told Daniel through this angel, he said, I, I heard you. I heard you the day you started praying. 21 days ago, I heard you. I've heard you all the way through this. And I have sent an angel now. And I'm here, the angel said, for your words. In other words, Daniel, whatever you've been saying, I am here to see that they come to pass. I remember when this hit me several years ago, I was reading this passage, and I thought, wow. What if God were to send an angel to me for my words? What would that look like? What would that look like? Here, here, here's, here's what it'd be like. Let's say the angel Gabriel that came to Daniel were to descend here this morning and stop right here at the front row and turn around to Brother Tony and say, Pastor Tony, <clears throat> I'm here on a mission from God, your heavenly Father, and he sent me this morning for your words. In other words, Brother Tony, whatever you've been speaking about every situation you're going through in life, God has sent me to see that your words come to pass. Do you think those words would be important then? The angel might say, Brother Tony, what have you been saying about that little boy that God gave you? You've been calling him a brat? Or you've been telling him how good looking he is, how smart he is, and how... I started to say just like his daddy he is, but that wouldn't, that would be like his mama. No. I'm, I'm here to see that those words come to pass. 
Brother Tony, what have you been saying about your wife? I'm here to see that those words come to pass. I want to ask all of you this morning, what if God were to send an angel this morning for our words? Our words. Would your wife be blessed or would she be cursed? Would your kids be blessed or would your kids be cursed? When I was a young man and a youth pastor, there was a girl in my youth group, two girls, in fact, that were sisters. One of them was vivacious and always happy and wonderful personality. Her sister was very withdrawn, very sour, always had a kind of a mean look on her face. I got to study in the family, and I found out their daddy was unsaved, and he was a devil on wheels. This one girl was his favorite, and he always called her your daddy's little angel. She grew up with that. She got to be a teenager in my youth group with a daddy who always praised her, told her how pretty she was, told her how smart she was told her she was an angel but he would say to her sister you're a devil you don't amount to nothing you're ugly nobody wants to be around you and those two girls grew up reflecting what their daddy spoke into their lives what if an angel were to come this morning to each of us and say I'm going to see that what you've been saying comes to pass. What would our lives be like? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Amen. No wonder Jesus told us, love your enemies. Do good to them that speak evil against you. Bless and curse not. Amen. Let me give you one more scripture before I close. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. These are words of Jesus. He said, for by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Stand with me, please. In closing, let me ask you, what if an angel were to come for your words? Wow. <laughs> I want my words to line up with his word. Amen. I, I, I wish all of us today could just say, I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can be who he says I should be. Amen. Lord, I'm just going to agree with your word. Just going to agree with your word. Hallelujah. You may feel weak this morning, but Joel said, let the weak say what? I'm strong. Hallelujah. Not in my strength, but in his strength. Praise God. I'm, I want to tell you something this morning. According to the word, you're strong enough to face anything that comes your way with the Lord by your side. Praise God. He makes you strong. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're struggling financially this morning, start declaring what the word says. Praise God. I don't have to lack anything. My father owns it all.
he can and praise God. I'm a I'm a king's kid. We we should have gotten all of this in the month of January when I preached on the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Let's let's get our words to line up with the word of God today. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come quickly. We've got plenty of time to pray this morning before we close and I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you have a need in your life. If you're sick in body and you want somebody to agree with you, you want to speak the Word of God, you want to say, I, I believe by His stripes I'm healed, and I want somebody to just agree with me on that. They'll, they'll be glad to take your hand and, and uh, pray with you and just agree with the Word of God. If you're struggling financially, they'll agree that God is your supplier and your helper and, and will meet your needs today, whatever your need may be. If you're unsaved, for goodness sakes, come this morning and give your heart to Jesus and change your address from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I wouldn't want to stay in the kingdom of darkness when I can be in the kingdom of light. I don't want to serve Satan when I can serve Jesus. Satan wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy you. Jesus wants to give you abundant life. Life and life abundant. The altar's open. We're gonna, they're going to sing a song for us. And we just, if you remain standing here, just sing along with them or, or pray while others come. But the altar's open. If you feel a need to pray, just come on. Whatever you need to pray about today. God bless you as you pray. Let's talk to Jesus and agree with his word.